It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we do connect the dots between the spiritual, the physical, the emotional, and the intellectual part of who we are. We have multifaceted, think of us as diamonds in the rough, because that's who we are. You know, if 2020 didn't teach us anything, uh, I think that as we're moving into 2021, uh, here we are, you know, at the end of April, actually, and it has taught us the importance of staying strong physically and emotionally. Uh, the physical health, there are two things that I talk about a lot, and that is knowing your immune system number. You get that through D as in dog, three blood test, and also another one that is your inflammation level, which you get through a C-reactive protein test. Um, you want the number on the immune system to be 70 or above. And a lot of times they'll tell you that you're in a healthy range, but if you don't have that number close to 70, it's really difficult to fight off viruses or anything else for that matter. The C-reactive protein you want below one. Um, there is a company that I am affiliated with called Boomers Forever Young. And if you go to my website, www.SynergyConnectionRadio.com and click on the link there. Or if you're listening to this on one of the podcast platforms and click on the Boomers Forever Young link, you will uh, be able to go right into their website. Uh, they have amazing testimonials. They have blogs. They have videos on their products. And I personally use them. Um, my C-reactive protein is a point three. Remember, we want it below one. Mine's a point three. And you want your immune system to be 70. If you recall, mine is a 70. So, uh, you know, that's really, really important. Now, even if you've had the vaccine, guys, it doesn't make any difference because you can still come down with viruses, including COVID-19. And there are people that are getting um, you know, that particular virus after they have had their vaccination. So just um, FYI, go check it out. If you decide that you want to order anything, if you use my name, L-U-C-Y in the promo code, uh, that's the discount area, you'll get $5 off of each and every order that you place. So I'm gonna introduce my guest who is a returning friend. Um, and her name is Tara Patricia, and we are going to be talking about judgment, which we all have a tendency to do, and learning the process of trust, which comes from our heart, not our intellect. So welcome back, uh, Tara. Um, I know that you hold a master's degree in psychology, and you've got five years of advanced postgraduate studies in clinical and neuropsychology. And um, you are an empowerment coach. Um, you're also an international writer and speaker in the field of self-transformation. What is an empowerment coach? Well, first of all, hello, and I'm so excited to be back with you. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, an empowerment coach is basically what it sounds like. You know, it's, there's, everyone's heard of the life coach and life coaching, my little quick blurb on it versus therapy is therapy talks about what happened in the past and how it affects your present day. And life coaching is talking about your present day and how you wish to move forward with it. And empowerment Empowerment coaching incorporates that whole idea of what's going on today and how you're going to move forward. But really what it does, and this is why I just love it so much, is it's all about stepping back into your truth and really finding the source of power that lies inside of you. And then, which is kind of what we're going to talk about today as well, and you know, going back to our hearts, if you will. And then interacting with the world and engaging with the world from that spot 
not necessarily from the spot of this person's doing that and how do I want to react or this situation's causing this and how do I want to react in the future. It's more of a, of a turning inward, which that's where our real power lies. So therefore, when you interact and engage, you're really in power or empowered, as we say. So that's really kind of the basis of empowerment coaching and why I really love it so much. <laughs> It's like it blends the best of both. It really does. And I, and I just, it's, it's kind of a newer term in the life coaching and, you know, life coaching itself is, is newer, but mm -hmm. um, it's, it is a, and, and, you know, and you have to, you have to watch and make sure when you go to life coaching, because there aren't really a lot of regulations and things like that with it. So you have to really know the life coach or the empowerment coach that you're getting and see their credentials and, you know, and all of that. But if you do get to a person who is in, you know, is doing their, their, their due diligence on, on having an education and understanding everything, it really is about turning first the full circle back into yourself. And, and it just, it just fits so wonderfully because, you know, as you know, because you have a background with all your therapy and everything, um, is, you know, it's, it's really about the individual. We, there's no cookie cutter format for anyone to, to persevere or get through or go through anything. So, you know, just turning it around and flipping it back to the inside to me is like, you know, spot on. Yeah, no, no, that's very true. Um, you and I have uh, talked a little bit about, you know, a lot of things that both uh, Greg Braden and uh, Bruce Lipton, um, you yes. know, have, have talked about. And yes. one of the things that we, you know, just talked about before the show started was understanding that from the third trimester. So, I mean, you know, we're six months in the womb and starting <laughs> on the seventh month, we're beginning to actually process uh, thoughts, but they're coming through our mother or they're coming through things that we're actually hearing, uh, which is why that's about the same time that um, parents, if they want their children to love music, might be, you know, playing uh, classical music or rock or country or whatever you know, <laughs> yes. for the baby to begin to appreciate. And uh, yes, yes. science has shown that that actually does work. And I love that you bring that up because, and not to interrupt you, but so many people, you know, kind of, I've actually been on radio shows before and started talking about this and people have kind of been like, mm, I don't know, you know, kind of <laughs> think you're getting a little woo woo or whatever, but really it boils down to our neurotransmitters. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the womb, the, the mother is giving you everything that you are receiving chemically, food, nutrients, oxygen, you know, and her chemicals, her neurotransmitters. And if you have a mother who has, you know, for instance, high anxiety, then she's going to have different levels of dopamine and GABA and, you know, serotonin and all of this kind of thing versus someone who's calm or right. the same idea for a mother who's really depressed or, you know, versus, you know, content or whatever. So we're actually getting fed through our chemicals in, in these trimesters, like you're talking about the third trimester, we're actually getting fed these neurotransmitters and our body because we're our DNA and our RNA is all, you know, programmed to react to the neurotransmitters. So our body is actually already not only our minds, but our body is already beginning to say, okay, this is what the world out there is like. So exactly. therefore let me prepare for it. So it's not, it's not woo woo to say that this is going on. This is real science. And when you start talking about it chemically, people understand that. I mean, if, if we have a chemical imbalance and therefore have depression, what do we do? We put in medications that change our chemicals. So if, you know, if a pill can do that, then God knows three months in a mother's womb can definitely do it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's really quite fascinating because They've done some research now, um, you know, at places like Harvard and uh, Mayo Clinic. And, you know, what they're finding is if they look at the brain, you know, uh, the waves with a EEG, that right. uh, people who are practicing gratitude have different mm -hmm. 
EEG signals. Yes, ma'am. Somebody who is, you know, uh, maybe depressed, maybe anxious. And so they're comparing, you know, how this works and it, in its lasting effect. So yeah. people who learn to do meditation, learn to do mindfulness, you know, practice gratitude, they're going to be able to change that chemical brainwave actually better than taking absolutely absolutely now you know and we and i want to put a little caveat on on here that we're not downing medication because there are some times where people are needing that but in you know when but there is also that other side too where like you're saying the meditation can actually do that as well the the um the anatomy of the brain actually physically changes what to trauma or to, you know, stress if it's chronic and things like that. And the same for meditation or for exercise in, in a way that's, that's peace, that's bringing you peace and calmness as well. You know, I mean, the physical anatomy, this is amazing to me. When I first learned this, I, my mind was blown. The, our physical anatomy of our brain actually changes I mean, that's talking, that's, that just shows you how strong this is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, it is crazy um, how all of this works. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to kind of weave out here for a second because this is another really good example of what can happen. Um, I think maybe we might've discussed this on another show a long time ago, but the man who created the shunt for hydrocephalic children, uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, he, you know, his son was suffering from hydrocephalus. And so yeah. uh, he was desperate to find a cure and he developed this shunt. Unfortunately, his son died before it was actually developed. But about 20 years after the development, because they were putting it into, you know, babies and very young children, sure. um, we came up with a PET scan. Right. And right. so the PET scan showed, you know, color and, and where there was activity in the brain. Right. And right. so he decided he wanted to see what had happened to the brains of the children that, you know, were still living that right. had this shunt that was put in. And what they found was just absolutely mind blowing because the interior of the brain in most cases was not functional all of the activity was around the perimeter of the brain. Wow. And there were high, um, like uh, reds and oranges and yellows. The high intensity areas were the areas that were being utilized the most. And mm -hmm. so there were people that were scientists, you know, going into, you know, science areas, mathematicians, sure. musicians. So they might only have, you know, whereas we have maybe hopefully all of our brains functioning, um, <laughs> but um, they might only have, you know, 10%. Right. They right. were utilizing the majority of that percentage where we have all of our brains working most of the time. And, um, and we only utilize maybe four or 5%. Right. Yes. So, and that's one of the issues with people with dyslexia and different learning disabilities too, because their brain is wired differently and they utilize different, the vernikes and broke at different areas of the brain as well differently. So that's amazing that they actually could, could see the, that, you know, with the technology, it just confirms everything that people had been studying and seeing, you know, and then to see this, these, ch these children grown up 20 years later, or whatever it was, mm -hmm. that, that was, I can imagine that was pretty incredible to actually have that physical uh, visualization of the effects of it. Well, and just, you know, to tell us how resilient we are. Oh, we yes. have the ability yes. to do and to overcome so much. Um, but, you know, a lot of times because we have this intellectual understanding of how life is and we're working on that external rather than internal process, we yes. accept that oh, these are limitations and I'll just have to live with them. Yes, so much so. And going back to, well, first of all, let me say, you know, it's interesting because we know that if we don't use our arm muscle, it will get, as we get older, it will get saggy. 
And if we go and use our arm muscles, then they build muscles. So it's no different with, it's still matter. It's gray matter, but it's still matter up there, that little brain of ours. So there is no difference in it, you know, how we use, because not doing anything, you're still using your muscle, but you know, when you start to really put weight and things like that to it, then you're using it differently. So how we use our matter matters <laughs> how we use our matter changes it so yeah 100 percent. it's very interesting to see the the uh, the effects of the way that we in, we engage our our brain matter and see how that really affects the brain anatomy itself it's very interesting well as we look at our topic um yes you know, yes you know it's a good so, intro to that right so the the judgment factor is um, what I have found personally is when people are making decisions so many times, and I fall into it, I'm sure all of us do, but do. you know, we try to make a decision based upon what makes sense, you know, what, what is right. logical. And of course that's all intellectual. And mm-hmm. if 95% of our waking time, you know, because from that trimester out there until you're seven years old, all mm-hmm. of the information that you're learning is coming from the outside world and you're doing Absolutely. storage and kind of saying, okay, this is what my mom says. This is what my dad says. This is what the church says. This is what my teacher says. And so you store it all and then you right. go back and you retrieve that information as you make decisions. But yes. you and I both know that the best decisions come from the heart. So our topic is all about judgment and learning the process of trusting our heart, because that's where intuition is. And intuition is almost always correct. Yes, I, I would say, I would say intuition is always correct. It's just when we decide to put our brains in the way of intuition, that sometimes it doesn't unfold properly. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I mean, because we say all the time, I think, and just before we were talking, you even used the the phrase, I know in my heart, but, (laughs) you know, I know in my heart, but, and so, you know, and that's, I, I say it all the time in my heart of hearts. I know da, 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 da. However, blah, 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 blah. And so there's, there's the first we're in our heart and that's where the truth is. And then we go to our mind and we go, but, <laughs> and well, then our I, mind comes in the middle. <laughs> right. Because I mean, and that's where trust comes in um, because if we can, and, and, and it's incredibly hard. So everybody who's listening, please understand that we're, we're struggling with this as much as anybody out there listening. When you trust your heart, your heart will say, go do whatever it is. But your logic goes, well, how are you going to do that? How are you going to financially do that? How are you going to handle, you know, changing careers, leaving a relationship, um, you know, relocating? How do you do that? And that goes and makes you jump right back into the intellect. Yes, it and does. So it, it, brings in, it brings in fear as well. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's a big, fear is a very incredible motivator to not do something. Well, change <laughs> is, do something. Yeah, change is incredibly hard for, for I think, everybody. Yeah, it's um, very challenging. It is very challenging. And we know that fear is nothing more than false evidence appearing real, right? Yes, absolutely. I love that acronym. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> So <clears throat> the, the key is how do you go from, you know, if 95% of our waking moments are spent intellectualizing life and making decisions about life, how do you get from there into your heart where the truth is? Well, I believe that that is the million dollar question. <laughs> well, let's- I think okay, then that's what we're here to t- discuss today, right? Exactly. <laughs> so for me, you know, what I think is, it, it, let's go back to how we talked about before. We're little, we're little, I, I've written about this in some of my books before, and we're like little mini computers that um, it, from, from that third trimester, like you're saying, until seven or eight years of age, and we're c- just constantly downloading. And so what happens to us is 
you know, we all know that we, we've heard, oh, babies are more connected or toddlers can, you know, are, are, are pure and true or whatever the case may be. So we come into the world still connected with our heart, even though the process of, of our brain has begun already. But what happens during that year one through seven is our heart starts to fade away and our brain, because we're just downloading and downloading and downloading so many things during that time, our heart starts to fade away and we start to turn over to the brain. And, and we're taught to do that. We live in a world that's modeled, you know, to, to think and to use your, use your head. He's, you know, she's got her head on right, or that one, you know, is, is not the sharpest tool in the shed or whatever. Everything <laughs> is, everything is geared towards our, our IQ, our intelligence, you know? Right. And, and so, um, you know, and what's, the, what's, what's so hard about that is during those developmental years, you're downloading all this information that you're, that you just take as real. You take it as true and that's all there is to it. And then all of a sudden you, you recognize, okay, wait a second. Well, I'm sorry. I apologize. And so all of a sudden, then you're like, well, you know, that maybe isn't what I necessarily believe. Like you start having these moments when you get a little bit older and you start, that's why, that's why teenagehood is so hard because we've been downloaded all this information that was never even our ideas. They weren't our concepts, but yet we're living them as truth because that's what we've downloaded. And then in our teenage years, we start going, well, wait a minute, maybe I think this, or maybe I thought that or da 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 kind of a thing. Right. And, and so that's where the struggle starts to come in a little bit for us as well, but still we're fed no, use your brain, use your mind, do this, think this way. Well, how does that, you know, how does that look? How does that walk? How does that smell and talk and think, 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 you know? And so I think for me, the process of actually getting back to the heart is to, first of all, understand that that's where I came from. So I do have that ability. I, I came from my heart when I first got here. I came from my heart. And then after a while, because of the world that I modeled, I began to download and I went into my brain. So what we do then is we, you know, we say a lot of times we have to unlearn something to, to learn something new. And I think that that's a little skewed because I think we've learned all the things that we need to learn. But what we do is we need to relearn what that is like if we come from the heart and go there. So I think it's really a process of relearning, taking, taking, you know, everything, because like, like, you know, you talked about, you know, changing your career. Well, maybe it means that you have to take a hit in your finances. Well, so, you know, that is a part of the real tangible world we live in. You can't just say, oh, forget it. I don't care. I just, I won't make money for four months and I have no money saved up. It's okay. I'll be fine. You know, you have to, there is that tangible, realistic world that we live in. And we've learned that, but how we interact with that is different when we come from the mind versus when we come from the heart. And so I think going into trust is really about taking what we've learned and now relearning how to travel from the heart, going back to where we hold our power and coming into it and engaging with it that way. Um, I think that's incredibly true. I don't know whether you've ever watched The Good Doctor on television. No, I have not. No. Um, he is, uh, you know, the, his character is a, uh, a surgeon, actually, a young okay. surgeon who sees everything through his autism spectrum. Oh, yes. I've, I've, I've seen it advertised. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so he has no filters. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. No, I'm very familiar with those people. Okay. <laughs> yes. And um, it's, it's been, really, yeah, it's been fascinating to, I've watched the program since it started uh, a couple of years ago, but yes. having said that um, to me, you know, what you're saying is, is a lot like, I mean, he, he's brilliant. He has yes. all of this yes. knowledge in his head and he sees it in 3d. 
Yes. But he doesn't. Yes, they're brilliant. Yeah, he does not connect with his heart whatsoever. Right, right, um, right. And so, you know, I, I would almost say that our education, you know, academically, you know, from the time we are in preschool, you know, all the way through graduate school and beyond, is all about the intellect. It has to be. This is these are the tools you need for your trade if you have a trade. Yeah, that's because that's how we've set it up. 100%. That's how we set it up. But yes. um, I had a past life reading done right before the end of 2020. And, you know, in this lifetime, I am, you know, a healer. I heal with my hands as well as with my ability to counsel people in a healing sure. way. Because I listen sure. differently and you listen sure. differently. Sure. Um, so I had to take all of that knowledge from all of those years of education and reprocess it literally through my heart absolutely when in order to listen differently than just putting a diagnosis on somebody because that's oh lord yes Um, oh yes and i have found um a, a physician that is my family physician who took all of her years of training but she listens with her heart and yes. it's so rewarding to see somebody like that, to, to go to somebody who doesn't look at you as a diagnosis, but looks at you right. as a person. Yes. And well, I have two things to say about that. That's why I love life coaching and empowerment because, I mean, I have the background. I've, ha- I've worked with suicidal adolescents and families and done my neuropsych stuff. So I have the ability to diagnose and all of that. But what I love about life coaching and empowerment coaching is legally we're not allowed to diagnose we're not allowed to go there so I'm like woohoo sorry I can't diagnose you I'm not allowed to <laughs> so it's phenomenal <laughs> I love that part of it <laughs> but yeah, thing, yeah. It, yeah. It, it changes everything because now it really does person to person and yes. you know I am heart the to heart and you are my patient <clears throat> yes no yeah. this now we're a team yeah, exactly. and you know, because even when I was in my therapy years, I used to tell everyone that that I worked with that you know with my clients that we were a team, and they bring I bring the expertise of the years of my studies and what I've what I've learned and my experience with other clients, and what they bring is the expertise on who they are. So we're neither one can do this without the other one. So we're equally an expertise, and I I truly believe that, and you know and. For me, and I, I don't know, we have, we did talk about this in our very first podcast that we did together, but a lot of people here won't, perhaps won't know this, but I had a brain infection um, that took, that damaged different areas, my bifrontal, right temporal and brainstem, different areas of my brain. And during that time, it went undiagnosed for quite some time. And um, I was just deteriorating and deteriorating. And literally what happened to me was I lost my ability to think about things. And all of my years of training in the traditional way, all of my years, um, I've been on the journey of, of self-love and self-inquiry, self-discovery for, for years. And all of my experiences with clients and my, my, you know, Eastern philosophy studies I've done, all of that stuff, I, I had to integrate, or I didn't have to, but I was able to integrate it at a heart knowing level, because I literally had my brain taken out of the way. And so therefore, I, the only way I could process any of that was through my heart. And it was absolutely life-changing for me. And when my brain started to come back again, it was very interesting because I did have those moments of, well, wait a minute, uh, hold on, that doesn't make sense. You know, and then I, but, but it was such a profound and such a long period. It was like almost a two year journey for me that it was so profound that I was able to then say to my brain, no, it's good. You have a, you have a purpose here. You have a job still. Don't worry. It's all good. And we're going to, we're going to kind of go through this together. And I was able, because 
my journey through my heart knowing was so long and so profound. And I literally did not have the ability to argue with my brain. Um, once the brain started coming back in, I was at a whole new point. And it was, and I, and I learned that we actually can begin to communicate with our brain through our hearts. And it doesn't have to be a, an argument any longer. It doesn't have to be one has to prove the other one right or wrong. It doesn't have to be challenging. Um, you know, we can, we can come through our, because, because the mind is super important. It's here to, to hold things, to perceive things and to help us interact with the world around us. So to, to just not, you know, not give that importance any longer is a, is a disservice to who we are as a human being. And, you know, I really learned that we are able to go through our heart and begin to communicate and interact and engage with our minds. And it's, it's freeing and it's beautiful. And I just want every person in this entire world to have that now. <laughs> you know, how true is that? Um, a lot of times there I tell people at least, um, you know, that one way to get into their heart is to journal, you know, and to yes. not have any judgment on what's coming out of the pen yes. or pencil yes. that you're using. Just yes. write and yes. don't think about what you're writing, just write. And so the first couple of times that people will try this, um, it's funny because they'll, they'll almost all report the same thing, that they'll be sitting there, you know, waiting for something to <laughs> yes. and it's like the intellect is going yeah see nothing's happening here and the heart is very tentatively saying do you really want to know what I think do you really yes. hear what I have to say and, and I think yeah, go ahead I'm sorry no I I just was gonna uh, say that you know and so there's that dialogue that goes on yes. back and forth um, with the heart who has the answers that knows and the mm -hmm. intellect that likes to pretend that it knows. Right. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's, I think that, you know, you use some terms that really show how much they're almost, you know, at each other. They go, they go at each other a bit. You know, you said that back and forth and that's uh -huh. what that is, you know, that inner dialogue, you know, it's, it's not communication, it's dialogue. It's not together it's back and forth and you know because i think what we've been taught is that the heart and the and the mind are separate and and while they physically are they're all encased in us we are human beings we're human which is of the form that's our human physical part and then we're being which is of the formless that's our spirit that's our heart our soul our inner knowing and we're really both. We're not, we're not, we're, we're human beings. Um, we're not just human and we're not just beings, you know, we're both together. And so I think, but what we've been taught um, and modeled in our world is that, you know, they're separate. They're two different things, but the reality of them are, it, the, reality, the reality of it is that they're really encased within us. So they're, they're separate, but together in the same time. And so I think the first part of really beginning to relearn the idea of trust and to learn to come from the heart is to begin to communicate with the mind, give the mind its importance. Because I think a lot of times when we begin this dialogue, this back and forth, it the, the mind and the heart are at very different points. So it's, you know, if, if we go into a conversation with somebody and we're at different sides, well, there is a lot of talking at the other person because there's that, that, that humanness to make them, I want you to understand what I'm saying. You know, I want you to understand my, how I'm feeling, how I'm thinking. I want you to understand that. So there's this, this, this push to, to commute, to, to tell them and, and show them versus, Versus just communicating and, and, and saying, yes, that makes sense too. Yours has importance too. And so we start to do that because that's what we know. And so that's what we start to do when we sit down with the heart and the mind. We, 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 we find that the brain is trying to convince the heart and the heart is trying to convince the mind or the brain. And when we start to say, 
okay, let's talk together. Let's work together. Let's communicate on this. Yes, brain, you have an importance here. Yes, heart, you have an importance here. Well, what are those two importances? And I think that's the first step when we start, you know, opening. If you're talking about, for instance, if you're talking about, we'll go back to the whole changing careers, because that's what I brought up before and you did as well. Um, you know, what does the brain have to say about it in your journaling? What does the heart have to say about it? Then write from the heart to the brain. Dear brain, I hear you say da 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 da. I think this, this, and this are beautiful points. Then the, then the brain can go back and write to the heart. And heart, I heard you say da-da-da. And I think boo-boo-boo-boo-boo are beautiful points. And so what you're starting to do is you're starting to integrate the two instead of keeping them separate. And that's the first piece of relearning and coming back and going through the heart. You know, one of the things that um, is really key here is relationships and we do have a relationship between our heart and brain but yes. the relationships in general if they're going to be successful are built on collaboration amen you're, <laughs> yes. you're, you're collaborating yes. and listening to both sides and yes. one of the things you and i have both talked about is if we are indeed 50 trillion cells that are vibrating inside this virtual bodysuit you know, what the brain is saying and what the heart is saying are bouncing around in there, you know, in that right. virtual oh, yes. bodysuit and creating yes. a vibrational frequency within our cells that is either going to be a positive, maybe neutral, but it's usually either a positive or a negative. So, you know, we don't want them to argue with each other. We want them to collaborate. Right. Absolutely. And this is, this is where we talked about judgment and, and learning the trust process. And this is where our judgment starts coming in. Even in the words we use when we say positive and negative, that inherently holds, uh, you know, judgment in it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there, when, when you really start and you really, and this is, this is, I'm, I'll get some people saying something to me on this next statement, but I just got to go out there and speak my truth. So when you really get to your heart, there really is not a negative and positive. There just is. And um, it's how we choose to interact with it and engage with it is what then we perceive it to be as negative or positive. Now, I'm not saying there's not hard and easy because there is hard. So for instance, my brain infection, I'm gonna let you know right here and now that was hard. You know, and I'm not going to lie about any of that, but I'm never going to say it was negative because there were so many, the, once I decided to start interacting with it as my teacher, instead of, uh, and collaborating with it, instead of, you know, going up against it and fighting it, then I, you know, I really began to change and develop and learn. And so I realized, you know, we can, you know, it reminds me of, and, and I'll just make it very brief, but it reminds me of a Zen story I heard a long time ago about an old man who had uh, a son and a, and a son who had a son and the war broke out in, in all of, in all of this and the, um, and, and it broke out in, in the, in the, tri the area where he was. And he went and he, um, they have horses and they were plowing the war one, the land one day and the, the, okay, I'm sorry. My brain just took a little, little spill. I apologize. That is one of the things of my, of my brain infection. I still have a little bit of issues sometimes, but okay. I got it back together now. So I'll restart the old man is he has a son and then um, a war breaks out in their country and all of the people are supposed to give one son. And so they come around and they start looking at all the sons and they go to this, to this man and they say, okay, you have to give this one, this son to war. And everyone's like, okay. And so then he's out one day before that he goes off and he starts preparing uh, the land and working on the land and he falls off the horse and he breaks his leg and everybody says, oh, that's such bad luck, you know, and the, the farmer says maybe. And then the guy comes back to collect everyone for war and he says, oh, your son has broken 
um, has broken his legs. Well, now we can't take him. And everyone says, oh, what good luck. And then the father says, maybe, you know, and so everything that keeps going is a maybe to this farmer in this story. And but what it shows is that it could be good or bad. And it just is what it is. And that it, as life is unfolding, things are happening and it's life is actually moving this farmer through itself it's life is moving him through life and when he relaxes and doesn't fight the tide and actually goes with the water his life is much smoother and much calmer and that's what the heart does for us it allows us to to settle down and recognize the neutrality of all of our positions in life and then we say to the brain how do we wish to engage in this one and that's where we start to collaborate with it. Hmm. Is that something that the average person can actually learn? Or is that something, you know, I'm almost thinking that, um, you know, having someone like yourself, you know, that is a coach, um, mm -hmm. you know, that can help them bounce these ideas because, you know, I can envision that people that are going to be listening to this are going, you know, I need to learn how to do that. I need right, to understand right. the process. Right. Well, and the first thing I will say to that person is you already know how to do it. It's just reconnecting with that knowledge inside of you because we all have that. That's how we came in. Going back to what we talked about before, that's how we came into this world. We came into this world understanding and filtering through our heart. And it was as we became that little mini computer and downloaded that we left our heart. So right. we all, every person in this world already has that ability. So the first answer is yes, every average person can do this a hundred percent. The question is then, you know, or not the question, but the, the reality of it is, is how do we get back to doing that? How do we and sometimes yeah, sometimes it does take uh, someone to help you. You know, I often say I'm kind of a tour guide. You know, you go on a tour and and the person's like, you know, on the building to your left, ladies and gentlemen. And then all of a sudden everyone turns to the left and looks. Well, that building was there whether we whether we turned our head or not. It's not all of a sudden because the tour guide told you to turn your head to the left that the building appeared. It was always there. It's just us deciding to turn our head and look at it. So mm -hmm. sometimes... You know, we're so caught up in our lives, you know, and I mean, our, myself included, I have people who, who are like, yo, Tara, what's up with that? You know, and I go, oh, yeah, that's right. And I get reminded of it and I quickly go back again, you know, but, you know, it's it's sometimes we do need that that outside person to help us recognize to turn our head to the left or turn our head to the right. And then we can begin the process. So yeah, sometimes it, it is extremely helpful to have that, that person that, that is, is, you know, kind of the mediator between your heart and your mind and helps you to, to rediscover this technique that you already know. Uh, because we are so heavy in the in the uh, in the mind you know it's much like when you're lifting weights and you get up to a heavier weight well then all of a sudden you start to have spotters there to in case the weight falls you know and so when we're down at the lower weights and we're just doing whatever you know we don't need that person but when we get up to the heavier things and to the things that are more ingrained in us and are more you know kind of affecting our lives then that is, that's a great time to have someone to that who, who has not only learned the experience, but gone through it as well to help you with it. Right. Right. I, again, I'm kind of thinking along, I mean, even like Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, you know, when we're learning right. that we have troop leaders and absolutely. Yeah. And the leader says, you know, we're going to learn how to cook outdoors and we're going to learn how to make uh, you know, a fishing pole out of, you know, a branch. I mean, I love that. Yes. So we will always have the ability to, you know, I had mentioned earlier that when I had this past life reading, you know, I've always been a healer. And in that particular um, reading that she did, <clears throat> there was um, 
an older woman. I mean, I, you know, I won't go into all the details, but she sure. asked how I learned to be a healer. And I could see this person who was very tiny, probably under five feet. And she was quite elderly and she had chosen me at the age of five. Now I found it very interesting because, you know, at that age, you can start learning, but you don't have all of the intellectualizing going on. And right. evidently, you know, as a healer herself, she would be able to take me and start saying, okay, this is an herb and this is this, and this is this, and these are the sure. ways you can use things. And so, Absolutely. you know, you don't get in your head. You're always coming from your heart, you know, a knowing place as opposed to this is from a book. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I love that analogy because, you know, it's not, and it goes back to what we were talking about before, where the, the client is the expertise on themselves. You know, it goes back to you have the ability to heal. So now let's go learn from someone who's walked that path. You know, to how do I bring this out from within me? And mm -hmm. that's all this is. It's, it's, it's just, it's a hundred percent. How do I bring it out from within me? Right. And, uh, you know, and, and, and trusting the process of life through the heart, interacting and engaging alongside of the mind. And that is where, you know, that's where, where the contentment is actually found, you know, no. And, and, you know, and there's, and there's things, you know, like one of the things that, um, that I was given to talk about, um, in meditation one time when I was going through a lot of things, you know, given my medical background of what I went through, uh, there was a lot of things that I didn't want to do. A lot of tests I had to get run that were really hard and really scary. And the whole time I thought to myself, but I know I'm not a brain infection. I know my brain, it can be whole, you know, so, so I don't want to go into this next procedure thinking, you know, my brain is broken. My brain is damaged, but the reality of it is, is it is, there is something, you know, having seizures now is not a, what a typical brain does, you know? So, so how do I interact with that? And there goes that, that volleying back and forth between the heart and the brain. You know, this is a really good example of something that I walked with and, what I was given was kind of the idea of, I will do what I have to do to handle the situation, but it holds no importance to me. So the reality of it was, is I had something going on with my brain and I had to do what I had to do to handle it. I had to go through procedures. I had to find things out. I had to do therapies. I had to do all of this. And I did it all the while because that's what I had to do with the situation. But it held no importance to me because the reality of it was is that I know that my brain can be a functioning brain. Now, do I still have seizures? Yes, I do. I'm medicated. They're helpful. And so, you know, it is something that I have because I, again, live in this tangible world. So I'm not being unrealistic. But what I'm saying is when I take that medication, I don't think I'm taking that medication because there's something wrong with me. Because in my heart, I know that there's not. Why I'm taking that medication is because that's, that's, that's a way that I have to engage in this world. But it doesn't mean that it has to define me or that it has to hold a importance to me. So, and that's where you come from the heart interacting and engaging with the mind and the reality of the physical tangibleness of this world that we live in. And so, you know, it, it gave me great peace when I went in and said it, because before I learned that I would go into these things and with these subspecialists and, and, and specialists and everybody. And, and I would have such anxiety that it would be almost because I didn't know what it meant that your brain was shutting down, you know, and it was scary as I'll get out. But then once I recognized, you know what, I can do this because I have to do what I have to do to handle it, but it doesn't have to hold that as my definition. It doesn't have to hold that as importance to me. That was so freeing. And I was able then to utilize my mind and my brain and engage differently. And that's what these Girl Scout leaders do, what your healer leader did. They've walked the path and they've learned this. And it shows us that we all have this ability to do it. It's not, you don't have, 
you don't have to be, you know, sitting up on top of a mountainside in meditation and lotus pose or something like that to, to obtain it. You know, it's, it's a different level and you're, but yet you're still interacting with the world around you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, because that's so ma- yeah. And so often, you know, we say that, that, you know, you have to leave the chaos behind. You have to, uh, you know, everything's so chaotic in this world and we just have to leave that behind and, and release from it. Well, that's all well and good when you're, when you're, you know, in, in meditation or whatever you running in that runner's zone or whatever it is you do to leave the chaos. But the reality of it is the moment you open your eyes or the moment you, you start running again, boom, you're back into chaos because this is the land of chaos. This is what this place is, you know? And so what it is, is it's learning to, it's relearning, re, it's remembering how to interact in, 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 through your heart within the chaos, because the chaos really, when you start acting in through your heart and engaging through your heart with your mind, it, you start to recognize that it's really not as chaotic as we think it is. It's that, it's that, it's that, uh, just the mind interacting it that makes us, makes it feel so chaotic because the mind can't feel the mind can't perceive anything new. That's not its job. It only goes from old patterns. So what the heart does is it allows you to open up and go to different ways of interacting and actually feel differently with it. So, so it's just so important to, to, to begin to go from the heart into the, into the mind. And that is when we start realizing judgment is of the mind. It's not of the heart. And it's, it's a very freeing uh, approach. I, I would think so, because, um, you know, anytime, and again, we all do it. There's, there's no way that we probably will ever not do it, but we become more and more aware of it. Absolutely. We do it. But Absolutely. Judging, I still do it. Yeah. Um, it comes from even our childhood, you know, with Absolutely. a parent that said, you can't play with that child because... And Absolutely. so we understood, well, what this is the because, you know, maybe, um, sure. you know, there was something going on in their family that uh, our family didn't want you exposed to. Um, but it, it's just, it's fascinating to recognize, number one, that we have uh, our brain cells in our heart. I think there's yes. Yes. 40 million of them. Yes. That's so amazing. That's it, it's connected y'all. It's connected. They're not separate. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're down there reciting uh, and just mm-hmm. waiting to be asked, you know, to work collaborative together, you know, so that yes. we can accomplish anything that we need to accomplish. When you were talking about your diagnosis, um, there are a lot of kiddos, you know, young ones, that, uh, you know, whether it's they're asthmatic or whether they have learning disabilities or whatever that put on that outfit, you know, they go, Oh, this is who I am. Right. If you can get into the heart mode of thinking, then like you said, there isn't a judgment. So you may have a condition that is called cancer or called asthma or called diabetes, but that doesn't mean that's who you are. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, and so many times, and, and I might get, I might get dinged for saying this, but it's the truth. So I'm going to come at it. So many times we fight everything. That's, that's, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to fight this. I'm going to fight this. And the reality of it is, is it's, it's a teacher. It's here to teach us things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and let's think of, let's think of some of our school teachers that we had in, when we were younger, the ones we learned a lot from, we really did not like, oh, <laughs> you know, they true. were, they were hard. They were hard and we didn't care for them, you know, and um, God bless anyone who gets cancer. Oh, blessing, blessing, blessing. That's a hard, hard teacher. And it's a scary teacher, you know, and, and, and I understand the concept of fighting for your life. And I get that, you know, and, and because it is something that could end differently, it it might not end with life. And so there, there is that, and that goes back to the reality of the tangibleness of this physical world. However, you know, I, I, However, it's just so important when, especially when we're dealing with anything that's a quote unquote ailment, 
you know, for us to begun to begin to come from our hearts, because that's where we're in the truth. And the, you know, we already know that laughing is great medicine and mm -hmm. meditation is great medicine. Well, can you imagine coming from your truth, how important medicine, how much of an important medication that can be, you know, it's essential. You know, Tara, I think one of the things that um, is clicking here, uh, a lot of people go through near death experiences mm. and uh -huh. when they do, they almost, I, I don't know of a single person that has come back and said, oh, I wish I hadn't had that experience. They all <laughs> yes, go, yes. I learned so much and I no longer fear death because I know what happens next. Yes, and yes. so they've exchanged that fear from, again, a knowing. And I think the yes. near-death experience is a knowing that comes from the heart, not the intellect. Yes. The intellect Amen. would never Absolutely. understand it. No, it would not understand it. It would be very fearful and scary. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. Right. And that goes back to the judgment piece, because, you know, you, you talk to someone who's, who's had a, a horrific car accident and, you know, it goes back to that farmer. Yeah, it was, it's, it, it could be bad that my son broke his leg, but it, it could be good. And look, it happened to be good because my son didn't have to go off to war anymore. You know, so you talk to someone who goes through in this horrific car accident. And everyone around them is like, oh, that was so horrible. That was so horrible. And then once they actually heal and get to the other side of it, that individual will tell you in, in a lot of ways, it was one of the best things that happened to me, you know, and it's not taking away from the pain and the suffering and all that they did, because that's part of the tangibleness of this universe, you know, but, but yes. And so what we do is we're so quick to judge because that's our brain, because our brain there's a something called the law of, of um, conclusion and our brain that we are hardwired to make sense of something. That's why when something is really just so hard to conceive or, you know, we say, I literally cannot wrap my brain around it. We, we use that word, those words, wrapping my brain around it, you know, and it's because the brain is hardwired to come to a conclusion, to know something. If I drew uh, just the top portion of a triangle and I said to you, what's that shape? You don't need the bottom shape be the bottom line because you your brain has this conclusionary device where it, it, it can just see that and so it'll say a triangle because that's how we're hardwired mm -hmm. so so judgment does come into play because of our brain because our brain that's our brain's way of keeping us safe you know is this good is this bad you know okay yeah I don't want to go by that dog who's showing me my, his all of his teeth so in that regard it's okay for my brain to go, mm -mm, I'm not going to go over there today because he's growling and foaming and really angry. I mean, that's important, you know, but there's other ways, there's other times that we don't necessarily need to do that. So one of the things that I talk about with my clients all the time, when it comes to going through the heart into the mind and collaborating and interacting that way is changing the idea of judgment to assessment, so when you, when you judge something, you look at all the different variables, but then you attach a good or a bad to it. And the moment we say something's bad, the physiological chain that, change that occurs in our, in our body is a, then another thing we have to overcome. Because now not only are we overcoming the situation, but now we have to overcome all the chemical changes and the physical changes that have occurred in our body because of our judgment on that. Right. However, if you just assess something, you're still looking at all of the different factors and you're deciding which is the road that seems more, you know, more peaceful or easier to go down or, or that might get you to, a, a, you know, a, an end point that you're wanting more, you know, but you're just assessing it. You're not attaching uh, a negativity or a positivity to it. So therefore you're, you're, you're lessening the physiological changes in it and you're lessening the power in it because the moment we say, oh, that's bad, boom, that situation has so much power, you know? And, right. and, and so by, by assessing versus judging, we're still, I'm going to assess the dog and say, no, that dog is not nice. I'd rather go over to this dog who's loving and cuddly looking. You know what I mean? That's, it's an important assessment. Right. However, right. we you can know, do that from our 
our hearts. And I need yeah. to bring the show to a close, my dear, because oh, my goodness. Okay, it, is, okay. <laughs> it is an hour uh, show and we yes, are right, right at it. Um, are you still, um, I'm going to have this on the um, different platforms as a way to get hold of you. And that would be intercraftcoachingservices.com. Yes, intercraftcoachingservices.com. Or you can find me on Instagram as well. And I am Tara Patricia Author. Okay. And I'll have both of those links for everybody so that they can get back hold of you. Um, because I'm sure that uh, there's quite a few that would love to have you work with them and, uh, you know, be an empowerment coach. Uh, I love that. And I also have some books out there too, if someone isn't necessarily interested in that. And I'm actually going to be starting a membership for people where it's just $3.99 a month. But um, when you do it, it's like having a coach in your home for you. And it's a weekly thing you get. And so a lot of times people just like to work on their own and not necessarily be with other people too, or maybe it's a financial situation too. So there's another option for them. They can find that. That'll be coming up shortly on my website. They'll be able to find that as well. Okay. And that would be the inner path coaching website. Yes, it would be. Okay. All right. Well, I love having you as my guest dear. Thank you. um, So, um, you know, again, uh, all of this is going to be up on the platforms um, that are for podcast. And a lot of people like to listen through Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Google. So those are the three main platforms that the show is on. And um, I know you'll be back with me in about four months. Sounds fun. I'm looking forward to it. I always enjoy my time with you, Lucy. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, We'll talk again soon. And thanks everybody for listening to the Synergy Connection show. Um, Enjoy your day and try to always make this your very best life. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye now. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.